You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Stephen Pianovich. It is December. It is bowl season. Happy bowl season, holiday season to you. Uh, We are going to be talking about Penn State in the Citrus Bowl. The Nittany Lions headed to Orlando to take on Kentucky New Year's Day 2019. It could be a fun game. Not the the best draw Penn State could have got. No New Year's Six, no... Uh, no reunion with Joe, Joe Moorhead, no uh, no big-name opponent, at least big-name football opponent, but still a uh, an SEC opponent and a chance for Penn State to get 10 wins on New Year's Day. So not the worst circumstances in the world either by, by any stretch. We are going to talk about the Citrus Bowl on today's show in just a minute. I'm going to be joined by John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times, going to help me break down this matchup and uh, what it means for Penn State and and kind of what to expect in this bowl game. Uh, Again, my apologies for uh, not having a ton of shows in the last couple weeks, just between uh, the season ending and also uh, some general busyness and technical difficulties. Haven't been able to get as many shows out as I would have liked. But between now and the bowl game, I'm probably going to do about one to two shows a week through the holidays and then probably that week uh, between – the week before New Year's, uh, I might do uh, maybe about two or three to get ready for this uh, for Penn State's bowl game here. So we have a lot to talk about on today's show. I'm going to take it right to it. Here's my interview with John McGonagall from the Center Daily Times. All right, happy to welcome in now John McGonagall from the Center Daily Times. Welcome back to the show, Johnny. How are you doing, and how was your Thanksgiving? It's going well, man. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, Thanksgiving went great, and the season went great. Had a had a nice conference championship weekend hanging out with uh, hanging out with some college friends up in Boston, and so it was a good time. And yeah, everything's good on my end. All right, glad to hear it. So you will be heading to Orlando. Penn State is heading to Orlando, playing Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl, New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. By the time this was announced, it was not a big surprise by any means, but uh, still, just just what was your reaction to your, your initial reaction to this? Uh, this game, this matchup for Penn State. Yeah, I mean, really, you said Sunday afternoon. It wasn't a surprise. It probably, I mean, it wasn't really even a surprise by Saturday night because really, you know, Penn State needed uh, Georgia to beat um, to beat Alabama, which it looked like for a second they would do, um, but ended up, you know, being the Jalen Hurts show. Uh, Bama was Bama, um, but yeah, it looked like for a hot second that Penn State might sneak in uh, to that last New Year's Six. Uh, bowl spot that ends up not happening. Obviously, you have uh, LSU, UCF, and then uh, Florida, Michigan uh, in those slots, and so it kind of became apparent by even Saturday night that okay, Georgia lost. It's looking like Penn State's going to go to the Citrus Bowl. Uh, the only thing that would have thrown that off is if Northwestern won, which they didn't. So, yeah, this is a matchup a lot of people kind of saw coming. Uh, you know, down down the stretch here, and I, I think it's an interesting one because of just the way that the, the program, not so much the program, I should say the fan base is how they're approaching this game because Penn State entered 2018 with these high expectations, possibly, you know, too high, but, you know, nine and three is still a solid season, but it's not what Penn State fans kind of expected before the year. Meanwhile, Kentucky hasn't had a nine win season 
since you know 1984. So this is a, a, a historic season for the Wildcats, obviously a basketball school, um, but they, they, they've been getting behind their football program this year. And uh, it's been kind of a magical season of sorts for them. So for Kentucky, I mean, for both teams, they want to get to 10 wins. But it'll just kind of be interesting to see, you know, how many Kentucky fans show up in Orlando. I'm excited to get down there because uh, it's cold up here, and it's not cold in Orlando. Yeah, big uh, big deal for Kentucky. I'm not sure how much that fan base is going to travel. Kentucky obviously has a big uh, basketball fan base, but we'll see how much uh, how much they travel for a football game. Penn State, of course, will be there. I'd expect it to be. What, 70, 30, 65, 35 at least Penn State fans? Oh, yeah. I mean, Penn State fans travel really well. If this game, you know, if they had snuck into the Fiesta Bowl, you know, Penn State fans would have traveled out there. If they end up somehow slipping to the Outback Bowl, they, you know, they would have traveled to Tampa. So, you know, it, Penn State fans travel well, you know, probably as, as good as any fan base in the country. So it'll still be a Penn State, you know, a pro Penn State contingent, you would expect. But uh, definitely some Kentucky fans down there because they don't get to go to these games often, Stephen. Yeah, but and uh, it can be a fun game. Like this is a good Kentucky team, and it could end up being a really good game. I'm not sure, but when you look at the other couple matchups that Penn State was was possibly going to have within the last week or two here, it kind of boiled down to they're going to play either LSU, Mississippi State, or Kentucky. Kentucky is probably the least fun of those because with LSU you get a top ten team, a big name opponent. With Mississippi State, you obviously get the uh, the reunion and the matchup against Joe Moorhead and, and a ton of storylines there. So this, unfortunately, is uh, not the funnest of the three. Exactly. I was really pulling for Mississippi State because of all the storylines, like you mentioned, the Joe Moorhead versus James Franklin thing. Obviously, the Bob Shoup situation, You know him being the defensive coordinator with Mississippi State, and he sued Penn State after leaving and – and all that stuff. I mean, you know, Bob Shoup coaching against his son who was on the Penn State roster doesn't play. But, uh, I mean, that just all the storylines uh, would have been it would have been pretty crazy. But um, but I mean, we should be in for a good game. I mean, if Benny Snell, the running back Kentucky and uh, their linebacker kind of hybrid DN Josh Allen, who is going to be a high draft pick, if they play, um, then this will be a really entertaining game with some NFL draft prospects in it. If they don't play, it might be less entertaining. Uh, that's kind of unsure right now. But th- there are some talented guys in this game to, to look forward to playing. But, yeah, like like you mentioned, I mean, LSU, you know, just being LSU would have been bigger. And then Mississippi State with the storylines would have been pretty cool oh, too. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about Bob Shoe. That's a good point. Oh, yeah. Would have been fun. Would have been fun. Maybe next year. Very interesting. Uh, so I know you haven't uh, – the team hasn't had a lot of media availability or anything uh, in the last couple of days. But what do you have an idea of what what we can expect from Penn State? Is this going to be business as usual for the Nittany Lions in this game? And uh, on that same token, uh, unlike last year, Penn State doesn't have anyone projected to be a top top fifteen, top twenty first round draft pick. Really, uh, is it your indication that everyone will play in this game for the Nittany Lions? Uh, it's not a situation like you said. It's not. It's not like they have a Saquon Barkley. They, they're not going to have a guy that goes in the top ten, uh, where you know your investment is that is is at that great of a stake at that great of a you know it could be an issue. Um, I do think there are guys who could leave early. Uh, talked about Miles Sanders before, and for a guy like that, he's put together a really good season. Uh, he's probably going to pass uh, Saquon's uh, rushing totals from last year. 
and you know he he's looked really good. But the thing is, with a guy like that, I don't think he's ever going to get to like first round status. So if he were to come back, I mean, right now, if if he's looking at a second, third, even fourth round projection, say that's the case for him, I, I think I think that that would be good enough to leave for him. Uh, but that's obviously a decision he has to make. And then you're looking at guys, even, you know, Sharif Miller, I, I think might leave. Um, and he's had a really good year. Connor McGovern is a guy who has been rated pretty highly by the likes of Mel Kuyper uh, as, as a guard prospect, but he also has the versatility of playing center uh, because he started there before for Penn state as well. So that that's interesting, but I don't think any guys who, who would sit out, I, I don't think you're going to see that situation. Yeah, and Saquon even, I mean, he even played in that game, which was kind of crazy to think about. Exactly, yeah. I mean, he was right. He was on a little bit of a snap count kind of deal. You know, they worked in miles a little bit more, but yeah, I mean, he played. So, I, I if it wasn't going to happen last year, I don't think. You know, I, I don't think any of the, any of the Penn State players have have this kind of mindset. That not that it's a bad mindset at all. Uh, you know, you got to protect yourself. But I, I don't. I don't think you're going to see that situation all this year. Yeah, and it, it seems like Penn State's going to. And they kind of did this last year, and they even been kind of doing it in the last couple of weeks in the regular season, using their young players in those uh, in those it, it, more often, I should say, like Jahan Dotsons and Justin Shorter, PJ Mustafer, guys that are getting more playing time uh, in recent weeks. Yeah, I, I mean, like they've kind of been doing over, over the the home stretch of the regular season. Uh, Justin Shorter is going to be able to play in this game uh, and not burn his red shirt. And Jahan Dotson, you know, obviously has been coming on strong pretty well. I don't think you're going to see a situation where it's like, okay, let's get Tommy Stevens some quarterback reps and some series and stuff like that. I think with it being Trace McSorley's last game, there were some questions about that. Like I've been asked that a few times, like, you know, will, will Tommy get some run just because like, just to, you know, get him some, some reps. And I'm like, you know, look, this is Trace McSorley's last game. And for all he's kind of done for the program, I don't think they would, I don't think they would do that uh, unless it turns into a blowout, which I don't think it will turn into a blowout. Um, so, no, I, I think just kind of business as usual. Um, I don't think you're going to see anything too, too crazy. But expect the you know the freshmen who are able to play in reserve and, and keep their red shirt, expect them to play because they have been playing. And and uh, there, there's no reason not to, not to throw them out there and see what's what. We need to step away for a quick break. Stay with us on Locked on Nittany Lions. So we've seen this freshman class really make an impact, and I guess we expected it, or you know, there were certain expectations for this class coming in because of the way it was ranked. And if you look back throughout, since basically since the recruiting rankings started maybe 15, 20 years ago, this was Penn State's most talented recruiting class. There were high expectations, a lot of big names in it. And a lot of those guys have panned out really well and maybe have at least met or sometimes exceeded the expectations that were set out for them in their first year uh, playing college football. So it's been impressive for them. Has a particular freshman or a particular group of these freshmen who have played uh, in 2018 for Penn State really impressed you? Yeah. I, I mean, the expectations were incredibly high for Micah Parsons, and, and he's come in and pretty much met those you know, leading the team in tackles and, and all that. Um, I, I'm really impressed with what Pat Fryermuth has been able to do. I was, kind of, I was kind of on the Pat Fryermuth train before the season, just 
given his measurables and everything like that. And he stayed an extra year in high school. Um, and he's leading the team with seven touchdown catches. Actually, so I mentioned at the top of the show, I was visiting a buddy in Boston. So I actually went out to his high school. So he's a Massachusetts native. Uh, went out to his high school, which is a really small private school um, with like 300 kids in it total. And he basically like came in and kind of saved the program. But I'm, I'm doing a bigger story on that. Uh, later this week and should be pretty fun that the interviews there were great. Um, and they, they admire him up there. So he, he's made a huge impact, um, in, in happy Valley. I look what PJ Mustafer has done too, especially over the recent weeks. I mean, he was on the field late against Wisconsin, um, has made some nice stops and, and he's a guy who Penn State's going to be relying on, you know, not just next year, um, uh, but, but the year in years after that as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the, we talked about Jahan Dotson too. So th- this freshman class has, has really performed well, and I'm really impressed, especially with what Parsons and Fryermuth have done. Yeah, he's had an unbelievable year, and uh, I'm definitely going to check out that story. I encourage everyone else to check it out. because And it's crazy to think that Pat Fryermuth wasn't – he was basically – we didn't know how much he was going to play coming into camp. And he beats out two other guys for the tight end job and then becomes not only Penn State's starting tight end, but one of Trace McSorley's favorite targets and probably his favorite target in the red zone. He's had an amazing progression. Yeah, especially – and look, uh, taking a page kind of out of the Mike Kosicki playbook, uh, Pat Frymuth was a, was a star basketball player in high school. I talked to his basketball coach, and, and he said, you know, if he wasn't playing football – he would be playing, you know, division one basketball somewhere. Like he's that athletic and that competitive. Um, he wanted to enroll early at Penn state. Um, and, you know, in, in the spring semester, like so many guys do early enrollee and a school wouldn't allow him to do it and, and graduate. And so he had to just, you know, study the playbook. He was running routes in the, in the, in the, you know, in the gym at the Brooks school up in Massachusetts, getting ready for his opportunity and talking to everyone up there. They, they thought that, Hey, this, this kid, you know, they didn't expect him to come out there and have seven touchdown catches this year and be Trace McSorley's number one option in the red zone, but they knew he was going to compete. And to, to kind of see him do this as a true freshman is pretty remarkable. I mean, you look at what K.J. Hamler's done, right? And, and he's burst on the scene. He had a year to kind of, you know, get get acclimated to campus at the very least and and all that. Um, for, for a kid to establish a rapport with a fifth-year senior so quickly – um, you would think you're going to be able to do the same with Tommy Stevens, Sean Clifford, and the future quarterbacks at Penn State. Yeah, and it's you have to wonder. I mean, Penn State's passing offense has underwhelmed this year, but you have to – it'd be tough to imagine where it – just how bad it would be without Fryermuth or KJ Hamler for that matter, but definitely Fryermuth in, in the red zone. Exactly, yeah, because if, if you don't have a guy like Fryermuth, where are you going in the red zone? Uh, so I – yeah, he's he's been a revelation for sure, and 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 someone that Trace has been able to rely on in, in a year of in a year of drops and kind of inconsistency throughout the past catchers. We're stepping away for another quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the Urban Meyer situation at Ohio State. Stay with us here on Locked On Nittany Lions. Welcome back to the show. We're still with John McGonigal from the Center Daily Times. Johnny, before I let you go. Uh, I, I want to get your take on the biggest story in college football of the week, probably the month, maybe, uh, maybe of the year in college football here. It is, we are recording this on Tuesday and uh, 
this morning, you and I and most college football fans, except for the ones who wake up really early, <laughs> awoke to the news that Urban Meyer will be stepping down uh, at Ohio State at the end of the year. He is still going to coach the Buckeyes in the Rose Bowl, uh, but that will be his last game at Ohio State. This, of course, comes after a suspension and after Urban Meyer was criticized for the way he handled domestic abuse allegations against a former Ohio State assistant coach. Uh, it's something that has been kind of clouded the program for the whole season. Uh, I mean, this is kind of a surprise, kind of, but also kind of not a surprise. It, it seems like it, it was in a way expected and surprising all at once. Uh, but this is a big deal, and a major name is leaving college football and leaving Penn State's division. So what do you think this news and uh, the shakeup in Columbus, how, how do you think that's going to impact Ohio State, Penn State, and the Big Ten? Yeah, so looking ahead, it's kind of hard to tell what this is going to mean for Penn State and the Big Ten in the long term. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to to tell how you know how will Ryan Day adjust. Um, what what Gene Smith, the Ohio State athletic director, is basically doing is he's taking a page out of Oklahoma. So two years ago, Oklahoma, you know, set up the successor to Bob Stoops with Lincoln Riley, a young, innovative offensive play caller who can work with quarterbacks, put up points. And they basically, they kept a lot of the staff in place, a lot of the, the infrastructure that works so well. And this is kind of what's happening with Ohio State. You know, they, it, it remains to be seen, you know, if they're keeping like Larry Johnson and Greg Schiano and, and those guys. But you look at some of the staff members, the, the guys that Penn State fans are really, you know, just the casual college football fan probably doesn't know. A guy like, um, you know, Brian Valtellini, who is the director of operations at Ohio State, um, Mickey Marotti, who is the strength coach, and Mark Pantoni, who is their personnel director and has, you know, so much so much to do with the recruiting. Um, Ohio State will be fine in, in the recruiting in terms of the class of 2019 um, and all that. So they'll be fine, and I don't think it's going to really have that big of an impact immediately on James Franklin and Penn State. But, you know, if this – if it doesn't work out, they're like, look, the Lincoln-Riley situation has worked out incredibly at, Ohio, at, at Oklahoma, you know, making, making the playoffs in his first two years. But you know, Ryan Day is signed to a five-year contract, so they are—they're all in on this guy. He's—he's he's a young guy. They're all in on, on that. And I, I mean, recruiting-wise, it's going to work out fine for him in the interim, in, in the short term. But uh, if it doesn't work out, obvi obviously, it's good for Penn State. I mean, it makes the Big Ten East uh, a little less daunting. But if it does work out, if, if they keep you know this machine going, it is kind of the the term that's being thrown around, the Meyer machine. Uh, then it obviously it keeps it difficult for Penn State. So it's it's a matter of time, long term, to see how Ryan Day you know you know works out. But initially, you think okay, they'll be they'll be fine in recruiting and all that kind of stuff on, on the recruiting trail. Yeah, and that's the thing. Ryan Day is Ryan Day is a great pedigree. They threw a lot of money at him to keep him there last off season because there were some head coaching rumors that he wanted to go elsewhere. They give him a lot of money and an offensive coordinator title, and now he's sticking around. And Ohio State is still going to be Ohio State. I, I think that is – that was, I mean, a great point to bring up Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley, but Ohio State's not going to stop being Ohio State because they're Myers leaving. Yeah, it makes it more interesting, but here's my thing. Like, you know, Ur Urban Meyer obviously ha has done an incredible job at Ohio State, highest winning percentage of any Ohio State coach. I uh, went 82-9, and nine, won a national title in, in 2014, obviously. But – 
it's not as if he pulled this program out from nothing. It's not like he he built this thing, you know, like he kept it going. But Jim Trestle, I mean, he was incredible at Ohio State and, and Earl. And you go back down down the line to Woody Hayes and Ohio State's Ohio State, you know. And unless unless Ryan Day royally screws this thing up, Ohio State will continue to be Ohio State and will continue you know compete for not only Big Ten championships but a playoff spot and for national titles. And you know, as as long as the Big Ten East stays the same, it's going to be tough. John McGonagall of the Center Daily Times. You can find him on Twitter at jmcgonagall9. Appreciate the time as always, buddy. Happy holidays and have a safe travels uh, to Orlando if we don't talk to you again before then. Awesome, man. Thanks. All right, that will do it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, again, we will have a, a few episodes each week, one or two episodes each week, leading up to Penn State's matchup with Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl. You can find those episodes and all past Locked on Nittany Lions shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, basically anywhere you get your podcasts, you can find us. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Locked on Nittany. appreciate everyone out there who follows, downloads, listens, reviews, subscribes. All that stuff is greatly appreciated. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Special thanks to John McGonigal for coming on chatting with us again. Uh, We will continue to talk Penn State and Kentucky and the Citrus Bowl. There's a big recruiting news coming up this month. Also, Penn State basketball has played some interesting games lately. We'll talk about all that and a little bit more uh, on the uh, rest of the shows coming up later this month before we get to that bowl game. So be on the lookout for those. I'll talk to you then. Have a good one.